Well, hello and welcome to the Theotivity Podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us for today's episode. And today is a special episode. We're actually going to be doing a little bit of a recap of a conference that I recently went to with a group of guys from the church uh, that I attend. It was the Mission of God Conference put on by the Ezra Institute, uh, probably most famously known for Dr. Joe Boot, who's a Christian thinker, intellectual author, uh, helping to equip the church on Christian worldview and life formation and just thinking through a lot of public theology sort of issues in terms of government, in terms of education, and all of these things that are in our culture today. The the topic for the conference was utopianism and just addressing that from a Christian world and life view in a sense that this is a ideology, a vision of society that has captivated the minds of many in our society, many within the higher institutions of higher learning and so on. And this conference just fleshed that out a bit of what's the roots of utopianism, how do we think about it biblically, uh, in, and also even just bringing in some insights from uh, Marxism and how that has influenced the current mood of utopianism and utopian dreams within our society, within our leaders and within the world. Uh, but it was a really good conference. I went there with a group of guys. So what I'm actually going to do for this episode is I interviewed these guys on our drive back home from the the, the conference. And I think it'd be really cool for the listeners to just uh, be a fly on the wall, so to speak, to our conversation as we were just recapping what we learned from the Mission of God conference. So without any ado, let's jump into today's episode. The Theotivity Podcast. Theotivity is the place where theology and creativity come together. Here you'll find audio narration of articles, episodes exploring the faith, culture, the arts and media, systematic theology, apologetics, guest interviews with Christian thinkers, creatives, pastors, theologians and much more. At Theotivity.com you'll find articles and resources to help you grow in your faith as well as a portfolio of creative works. Like, share and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. All right, so we just uh, finished up at the Mission of God conference, and boys, what was your big takeaway? Yeah, you can pass it around. Oh, yeah, go first. <laughs> Guys, I don't do this. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Now, <laughs> <laughs> on. Is this thing on? <laughs> click, click. All right. Well. Uh, look back your notes. Yeah. All right. Well, my two. I guess one of my some of my uh, highlights were number one, when Joe Boot basically made a big biblical case for nationhood as opposed to uh, an empire. I thought the example that he gave of like how he what he promised to Abraham, how it wasn't an empire, it was a nation. I thought that was absolutely like what, and like I love how he kind of derived like he's he basically derived the idea that this indicates how God views like how basically society is organized. It's organized in nations and not necessarily like empires, which I thought was, that was amazing. And I think I, I would love to learn more about on that front. And then from the second presentation uh, on biblical economics, basically he pointed out how we've seen like exponential economic growth at the point at which innovation began to, you know, come into public market significantly and i think it, it basically goes to show like if we want to be if we want to see that uh, happen in a christian context then christians need to be innovating it within the public workforce like within industries like tech 
uh, engineering, et cetera, et cetera. I think that was the first time I've heard someone encourage that from a stage within like a Christian context. Yeah. Because like my, my personal feeling is like I've only ever heard ambition being basically encouraged in the areas of study and like theology. I've never once heard like someone release it down and be like, listen, for like the kingdom of God, like you need to innovate in these industries so that we can like basically establish God's kingdom more, but it's not gonna happen if, if we're essentially just studying theology books. Anyway, so I thought that was, it, I did find it hard to follow as well. I think some parts he kind of lost me, but there were some really like solid practical nuggets in there that I think were pretty critical, like to like how we move forward. So I'm out. <laughs> Hold on. Hello, hello. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Well, we're just driving back on the Tristan van and <laughs> And just wanted to share some of my thoughts on, on this awesome conference. This was my first time in this conference and um, it was really good. Lots of good takeaways from, from that. A lot of things to reflect on and still digest. But I think one of the, the main things, which is no news, no big news to anybody, but uh, just in general, living a Christian life um, in politics, in your workplace or wherever it is, we must first submit and know the law of the, the law and the word of God and knowing that the law frees us. And I think this is something that a lot of Christians forget these days. They continue to view the word of God with essentially this, <laughs> this worldview that it, it's, it's a law that just binds you and restricts you. And it's quite the opposite. The law of God is free. And uh, the other thing is that we must, we must not just be Christians in your profession or Christians in your environment. So you shouldn't just be a Christian in politics, Christian in software development, Christian in healthcare. You must hold a full Christian worldview. And in order to do that, you, there's a lot of practical approaches that they shared. So, uh, of course, you need to learn and know history. You need to um, also continue to live out those values, approaching people on an individual level, uh, not being numb to entertainment. And we've been doing a lot of that these days um, as a whole, right? On an individual level at home with your Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever it is. And um, yeah. So anyways, I'm talking too much. I want to leave a bit for the others. But the other major takeaway, tying back to what Seb was sharing, is also uh, stepping out in faith and doing something with your life. That was the, the last calling from Dr. Joe Booth. And yeah, paraphrasing that, Geronimo, amen, where we got to do something and not be afraid that we are unprepared for things. Uh, in general, but also take take those risks, risks take still those initiatives. Um, yeah. Anyways, thanks everybody. Dan out. Dan out. All right. All right. Who's next? next? Yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I think first, uh, something similar to what Seb was saying about something something similar to uh, something similar to what Seb was saying about innovation that I thought was very interesting was when Graham was mentioning how because he used the Soviet Union uh, as an example of how innovation really really deteriorated so much in that society and how in uh, communist cultures and societies because of a lack of family, a lack of innovation, a lack of technology, the society just starts to collapse. And it was very interesting how, from a Christian perspective, how in order for us to combat that, we're supposed to view our own cultures as, first of all, uh, a mission field. You didn't really mention that, but that's how I viewed it. And seeing the mission in front of us as a nation, as opposed to just seeing the government or the state as a neutral player, which so many Christians see it as today. So seeing it as something that should be reformed as opposed to just a neutral thing that's doing things for the betterment of everybody. Yeah, I think Joe Boot also talked about that. Christians today view the state as a neutral force meant for the good of nations. I loved how he ended his uh, talk on well, we've already talked about this a few times uh, in small group, but um, how because Christ has all authority on earth, uh, ha- oh, sorry, because Christ has all authority on heaven and earth given to him, because of this, we can disciple the nations. And just that emphasis and that exhortation, as opposed to, you know, because we're kind or because we should be loving therefore we should disciple people individually. No, it's because Christ already has already all of the authority on heaven and earth given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. I like that distinction. Something Andre said at the end was, I think the crux of everything, because a huge topic that was discussed was uh, utopianism, uh, which was very interesting. Globalism was talked about a ton, totalitarianism, authoritarianism, Uh, But the ultimate conclusion that Andre had was uh, utopianism is idolatry. It's, as he quoted, Jesus said to give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but we today give to the state, which is Caesar, the things that are God's. And that ultimately is idolatry. And I thought that was uh, very profound. Um, Just that, that, um, drive for perfection and for a utopia to live in um, ultimately creates a dystopia because we're all fallen. Um, That ignorance of our own fallen state coupled with uh, trying to become God uh, or trying to give authority that belongs to God to the states creates this dystopia. And that's where that idolatry and everything, uh, that's where it all collapses. So there's a ton of thoughts, but those are my immediate, that's my immediate ramble. <laughs> and that's, that's my time. <laughs> All right. All right. Yo, what up? <laughs> this is, yo, what up? This is C Clippers. <laughs>
So, of course, the uh, the the whole thing was was pretty great. It was just really nice to to get a refresher on a lot of uh, the things that we've read about in in Joe's boot uh, Joe's book, The Mission of God. Um, but I guess the the one thing that was most I guess new to me and the most sort of the biggest light bulb moment. Uh, was actually just a small nugget from Graham um, when he was talking about uh, welfare and in, in terms of uh, sphere sovereignty, which sphere it belongs to um, and how it largely belongs to the the individual or the, and the, the charities or charities and, and churches um, and exactly why that is. And I, I agreed with him uh, with that in principle beforehand, but he, he really sort of uh, give practical reasons as to why that is. And he, he talked about how when the when the state is in control of welfare, it can't distinguish between a lazy poor person and a poor person that is still willing to work. Whereas someone who is, uh, say, like a neighbor who is living next door to that person, they see their lifestyle. So they see if they're getting up in the morning, applying to jobs, looking for work, or if they're uh, just staying in bed all day and uh, and just waiting for the welfare checks or uh, just waiting for help to come to them, uh, right? So there's, uh, there's either way, there's still a responsibility we have to reach into their lives and, and try and pull them out of poverty. Uh, but the, the state does not ha have the capacity to, to discern the best way to do that. They don't know how to discipline. Yeah, so so an, another point, um, another big point is, is the, the fact that uh, when the wealth, when the, the state is in, in charge of welfare, it depersonalizes everything. And so the uh, basically the, you're not receiving uh, money out of the, out of people's generosity it's it's something that's just expected uh, and so people start to treat uh, their their welfare income as something that the the government is that that they have a right to or that the government is uh, obligated to give them and so there's no uh, there's no gratitude in receiving it and there's no generosity in giving it and so uh, essentially it's it's allowing society to carry on with no uh, change of heart towards the poor in the first place, which as well as robbing Christians of, their, as well as draw, robbing Christians of the opportunity to be generous and to live out their their responsibility as well as commandment from God. Exactly. So I guess, that, yeah, that ties into uh, Christian freedom our, our freedom to to obey God. If we don't have that freedom, uh, then we don't live in a, in a free country. That is one of the essential human freedoms is the freedom of uh, religion, the freedom to, to obey God. Um, and so, yeah, just just expanding on, on that point, I, I thought really, really helped me out because uh, one of the biggest objections uh, socialists has, have to, to not just like capitalists, but libertarians in general is that this idea that we, we don't care about the poor. 
well, it's it's not even that we don't we don't think there should be welfare. It's that welfare should be should be carried out by the the people who are who are giving the money over, because they they know exactly who they're giving it to. Uh, so, yeah, that was very helpful to me. Cool, Jim. Yeah, a few things um, that my brothers have mentioned that I've heard from Joe and maybe a few others, uh, but to expound upon it was really helpful uh, from Graham today to give that small but poignant equation that dystopia or dystopianism is ultimately birthed from the fallen man, which uh, Jeremy had mentioned, and a desire for utopia. It's just reality is by the nature of human beings and their desire for a no place that does not exist, they're going to reap dystopia. And uh, to see uh, ongoingly throughout each society, each governance model that's come and gone, that socialism fails, that a place where people do not work, where rest is all they know, where people are taxed infinitely and redistributed in ways that it shouldn't be, it actually ends up crashing markets. Governments are overextended. And uh, he forecasts, Graham forecasts, that this is actually going to happen likely in our lifetime. And that's quite terrifying in one sense. But as many of the attendees that we spoke to said, it, it, it must get bad before it gets good. Uh, and to see that hope in the midst of globalization truly uh, reaping havoc where governments want more and more globalism, sorry, uh, globalization being the means, uh, but globalism being the ideology that drives a one world government where um, there's trans unions and, and all these government officials that are unelected, but seek to hand out loans that seek to provide justice in areas that are not theirs, just to point out how it's going to hurt. And it has been hurting uh, many, even making reference to welfare. It was uh, a means to an end after World War II, uh, an, an emergency measure, measure that was supposed to be imposed to help those that didn't have what they needed or whatever it was and never redacted. And thus the state has become everybody's sugar daddy. And um, to see these things a little bit more clearly <laughs> uh, was helpful. Did he see that on my podcast? <laughs> 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 okay, <laughs> <laughs> but all those things are maybe unformulated thoughts that I, were floating around. But to have like clarity with law and just I think the accessibility that and Andre spoke was really helpful to point out the point of the charter. Uh, I think that was such like something that I just did not understand that it, the charter was something that is for us and not to be imposed upon society and upon the individual. It's for our liberty and not for our it's to restrain government. Yeah, it's to restrain government and not to restrain us. Uh, but to see how that's being inverted. And now, yeah, there's just the corruption that's taking place in our judicial society and uh, in our government is scary but i think it's really helpful as we are in a time and a place where we need to know our rights and we need to know how law is to be used because so quickly terms are being thrown around uh, lawsuits are being lost and uh, we almost feel helpless and people wonder why there are rallies for freedom and why don't we go to the courts and 
Uh, it's for many, in many ways, the, the case that are making precedent, the law is being used against us. And so um, may the Lord give us clarity how to, um, what's the word, civil, to have civil disobedience in, in a godly manner in these days. All right, Tristan, what are you saying, man? What's your takeaways? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, the conference was, was awesome. Uh, it's a lot of, some of the guys said, good refresh. I do think that, I think tonight there was uh, just this clarion call for Christians, men and women, to start to stand up, to, to, to take action. It's not enough to just take notice. Um, but but to take action, to be involved, to be active, to resist the passivity that our sinful nature just loves and, and, and feeds on, uh, to reject the the sinfulness in society, to, to not just accept it as the norm, uh, because as, as Christians, we know that there uh, is a higher standard, a higher calling to which we are held account to. I do think that for me tonight, I, I resonated uh, a lot with Andre Shooten as he went into talking about family and the destruction that's been taking place in there, even in just a very redefinition of a family. And you all saw the illustration he gave with Bill, I think it was Bill 28, was it? And, um, or was it 36? I don't know. It was one of those bills. Basically, you can have a, a blended family comprised of like three dudes and a lady. Um, sounds like the butt end of a joke, but that's real. Um, and it's a, 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 a preconceived contractual agreement that anyone, uh, you, if you have four adults that come together, you can be all daddies and mom to this, this child, which is just absolutely insane. And so I, I think that as we see the continued degradation of our society, like it should sadden us and break our hearts, but it also should motivate us to fight back. Uh, uh, very, very, very hard and to not rest. Rest is for, for glory. And I, I think that um, we need men and women to grow a strong spine, to, to not be afraid to uh, raise their kids uh, the way that the, the, the word of God uh, commands us to and the discipline um, and the admonition of the Lord to to teach them the, the things of God, to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, that there is only one God in three persons. Like we, we the, what, what biblical sexuality is that they don't define their own uh, identity, but that their identity is, they, they, they learn who they are as they find out who Christ is. Yeah, we, we need men and women to start doing and do properly and not to depend on the quote unquote professionals, whether they be uh, at school, whether they be at the church uh, as youth leaders or whatever have you, like we need parents to, to step up and to do their job, do their job and, and to disciple their children. Because in the, in the famous uh, uh, theology of Whitney Houston, I believe the children are our future. So we should teach them well, but we're not gonna let them lead the way because that would just be foolish. But <laughs> um, yeah, we need to teach them well and we need to uh, uh, help them and give them a fighting chance uh, in this world. So anyway, that's kind of my 
two cents for now as I'm driving and don't want to crash. <laughs> all right. So, well, thanks, Tristan, for not crashing the car. And thanks to all the guys who, uh, you know, gave their thoughts on the conference, their recap of what the takeaway points were for them. I hope that you've enjoyed listening in kind of as a fly on the wall to some of the content that, that was gleaned from this conference. I'll just give quickly my recap on some points that I took away from the conference and then we'll end this episode and I'll really encourage you to actually check out the Mission of God conference. I believe that the Ezra Institute will be putting it up online and they do have a new learning online learning portal which will be launching soon which you can check out as well if you go to ezrainstitute.ca. So in terms of my takeaways, uh, Dr. Joe Boots first, you know, he, he had the first session which was on utopianis utopianism and philosophy and he was examining sort of more the philosophical roots of it and he was talking a lot about globalism versus biblical nationhood. And that was a con uh, a con uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A concept, sorry, that I had never really thought of before, right? That the whole globalist sort of, and when, when we talk about globalists, we talk about like the ideology of globalism, right? The idea that of coming together all the nations into one amalgamated mass of uh, centralized power and planning for the sake, quote unquote, of, you know, the betterment of hu humanity, or at least that's the way it's sold, right? And I never thought of this concept that that's not the model that's in the Bible. Uh, the Bible actually gives us a model of biblical nationhood. And that's why there's this fundamental conflict between the kingdom of God and, and the kingdom of men and their and man's efforts to build his own autonomous kingdom apart from God's word, uh, because it's a conflict of claims of sovereignty, right? So God, when he instituted uh, the way society should be built, he instituted distinct nations that would be sovereign within their own spheres. Uh, and even for his own nation, Israel, that he built, uh, they weren't to become an empire that subsumed all of the different nations, but they would instead to be a light to those nations, right? They would be a missional nation. So I thought that was very interesting, the, the insight that he brought out that, you know, God has instituted biblical nationhood, and that's for the good of human society, especially in a post-fall world. You know, on the one hand, you've got statism and globalism, which tends to, to emphasize this egalitarian democratization of all of life, right? That, uh, th that this must subsume the entire globe. And then we see like the rise of a technocratic cult of the expert. We've seen that in the last two years, right? Where there's all these unaffected, un unelected experts that are using um, basically technique, technology, right? To now shape the way and the vision that they have for society. Uh, but the biblical view uh, is actually, uh, there's not a kingdom of man in the sense of one totalitarian kingdom that rules them all, right? The, but there's biblical nations that are distinct that maintain their spheres of sovereignty within their borders, but they are all under the kingdom of God, the rule of Jesus Christ, that the rule of God is actually the unifying principle that, 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 brings people together. And this is, I think, at the heart of what I gleaned from Joe's uh, speech, uh, his, his presentation, was that the kingdoms of men try, to, try to, to get unity, but it's a unity that flattens all distinctions, that has to eliminate all distinctions. And this is what we see in radical critical theories and so on, right? Where you've got this radical egalitarian drive to, to annihilate and flatten all distinctions of race, sex, gender, all these other things, right? Um, demographics and econ even economics and, and, and these other spheres. And, and they're trying to pursue unity by flattening out the diversity, 
But that's not God's design. God, God actually wants unity in diversity. It's part of how we reflect as a community, especially as a covenant community within the church. But this is how community reflects the nature of God, actually, that he is also unity in diversity. There's one being of God and a diverse diversity of persons, three persons in the Trinity. So I thought that was a very uh, helpful sort of insight into the current trends that we see towards more globalism, which is a utopian sort of ideology that's being heralded from a lot of people in the tops, in the top places of society, our leaders and so on. Uh, Joe also talked a little bit about the genetics of globalism. Really great. I'm not going to go all the way into it, but he started to, to flesh out that, you know, as we, we move more and more towards this ideology of globalism, that we're starting to lose fundamental freedoms and systems of law in the West that were actually a result of our inheritance from a Christian past, that there was a, a, large, a large part of our Western societies and the way that they're structured and even the values that we hold dear in terms of freedoms and fundamental human rights, they come to us from a Christian world and life view. And, but the vision of the, this globalist empire, is, is imp, it's actually imposed uh, top down to, through threats and especially economic sanctions and those sorts of things towards smaller developing nations so that they would embrace it. And you know what they're trying to go for is this planetary salvation through imposing these egalitarian principles uh, through use of international treaties and laws and so on. This is also connected, uh, Joe connected this to the whole environmentalism sort of movement that the world is ending that you know we're, it's all gonna burn up and that we need to save the planet by coming together and having these climate accords and these carbon zero goals which are totally unreasonable and un and can't be achieved realistically and it will actually cause far more devastation and poverty in the world because of dependence on uh, uh, you know fossil fuels etc and it's the thing that's behind that is this drive, actually, to planetary salvation that isn't, doesn't come from Jesus Christ, but comes from man. Now, Joe also talked uh, a bit more about this idea of uh, technocracy, right? That man's science is the solution to all problems. You saw that in the past two years with mandatory vaccinations, for example. Uh, but these plans of salvation are always, they're never perfect, right? They always come up short because they're not God's plan of salvation to us. Ultimately then, when science seeks to control rather than to trace uh, the creation laws, it actually eliminates human freedom and man gets caught up in this sort of total determinism where the scientist uh, tries to determine all of life according to his technique, according to his ability to observe and uh, test and to formulate hypotheses, but these hypotheses are never fully uh, informed because we don't have the type of omniscience that is needed for that sort of vision of all of society. And the scientist as well is part of the system which he's trying to describe. So there is also that uh, hindrance in terms of the scientism that's behind all of these movements. And, you know, the one thing that's standing, and Joe pointed this out, uh, in the way of globalist utopian sort of dreams is actually Christianity and the sovereign nation states that it envisions through the biblical witness. Now, Joe also talked about a little bit of a scriptural re response, and he actually named this, and I thought this was really insightful because I'd never thought of this bi biblical story this way, but he named it as the spirit of Babel, right? That embodies this desire for a global authoritarian sort of power state. And if you think about the story of Babel, it's a great illustration of this, uh, that all the nations came together, 
right? All the peoples of the, the earth came together and they said that like, we will make for ourselves a great name. And then God comes and confuses their languages so that they would disperse and form these uh, different nation states, right? So biblical resistance to globalism is actually about preserving the actual freedoms of real communities, societies, and nations and keeping them distinct. Yet, you know, the one unifying principle is not uh, man's technique, but it's actually God's salvation. It's not man's salvation that he's trying to bring through scientism or whatever it may be, or conquest even, but it's God's salvation through Christ that all of these nations will have to bow to Christ. Actually, you, you see this in the Psalms, right? That the nations will come to him, right? That the nations should kiss the sun lest they perish in his wrath. That we are as Christians to go and disciple the nations. This is uh, God's solution to uh, humanity trying again to, to find unity amongst the diversity that exists. Joe also pointed out from Acts 17, that Paul actually affirms this, this concept of boundaries of nations, right? that God created from one man all of these different nations uh, that exist within their boundaries. Um, and this was God's purpose that people might find him, obey him. And I never had thought about that from Acts 17, that you know, if we're in a globalist state where all nations have been subsumed into this one world sort of covenant, then how can any nation actually be free to find and obey God. That's, that's actually exactly what Paul's argument is in Acts 17. Um, if we're under a globalist state, then it also needs to control every single aspect and sphere of life. And it doesn't leave freedom for nations to be able to find and obey God. The next presentation was uh, by Graham Leach. And he was talking on utopianism and economics, which was super helpful and interesting uh, to, to listen to. He started off talking about you know, economics in the Garden of Eden and what the potentiality for Earth would have been had the fall not happened. And it was really interesting to see an economist go all geeky and kind of show us these different graphs and so on of like what, what our economy could have been like had the fall not happened, had we had perfect um, harmony or, or, or a lack of sin and, and sinful motivations, how the economy would have grown uh, from the, the garden. And is, he was basically doing that to bring out this point of there's such potentiality in the world that God has placed that we have yet to even tap into. Actually, it was interesting that he showed us one particular graph that, that showed us uh, that it was actually around the 1800s that there was a massive upswing in economic uh, performance. And that was actually can be traced directly to the influence of the Reformation upon uh, society and religion in society that it so fundamentally transformed the, uh, I guess, societal mind was shaped by values of uh, the Christian world and life view that you, you this was reflected actually in the economy. So therefore, shifts in values inevitably will impact the economy. And this was really helpful as we think through today's society that we've lost a lot of traditional values, morals, biblical worldview sort of uh, foundations and why it's actually being reflected even in economy. He talks also about just the longing that we have for Eden again, that it's been paradise loss, right? That original sin has infected uh, not just us on a spiritual level, but also on an economic level. Uh, he talked about the free market properly understood that is is actually God's way of, of doing the economy. Um, I wish he had uh, had time to expand that a little bit more because I think a lot of his talk was kind of 
on the a critique of the way things are run right now, which was really helpful to, to point out those things that are wrong. But I would have liked to hear perhaps a little bit more on a positive vision of what would uh, God's economy look like in an ideal sort of world. Like what's, what's the goal that we're going towards? In terms of like the big takeaways that I had from his presentation was, you know, the bottom line is if we've got a big God and a small state, right, that, that'll promote freedom, that'll promote actual uh, prosperity even. Uh, in an economic sense. But if we don't, then we're going to have a big state and a small God, which will lead to tyranny and eventually to economic ruin. And he illustrated this, showing that freedom works, that the average free country's uh, per capita income, that's, you know, income per person is actually around 71,000. But the average repressed country's per capita income is actually only 1,700. And even in this example, these are not true free markets. There, there exists no truly free market in, in the world as yet. Uh, they're all tainted by some sort of government intervention or some sort of unbiblical uh, premises that are imposed upon the, the market of said country. But he's, he pointed out that God blesses what even, whatever even little bits of his design are present because God's way leads to blessing. And I just thought that was really interesting that as we uh, go with the goal of trying to conform our societies more and more to God's word and to his vision of what flourishing looks like, that he blesses that, even the imperfect um, uh, manifestations of that. And hopefully we'll continue to go more and more towards God's ideal as we submit ourselves personally and in our families first to God's design. And then as that spreads towards society and eventually the nations. Now, lastly, Andre Schutten's presentation was really just, I, I thought was very moving and also very helpful. He was talking about uh, utopianism and the law and his focus in his talk was on EDI, which is equity, diversity and inclusion, the whole concept of non-discrimination. And I'm sure that many of you have EDI courses or even an EDI officer at some of the places that you work or your school, etc. This has become a real uh, cultural trend in our societies. And this is actually a part of the whole utopian vision of cultural elites. Now, he also pointed out that anarchy on the right side of things and tyranny on uh, the left side, so let's say more Marxist sort of visions of socialism on the left and then towards the right side of the political spectrum, you've got like fascism and anarchy, right? That both anarchy and tyranny end up actually meeting each other at the ends of the spectrum. If you go far enough left or far enough right, you actually end up kind of at the same place in society. Uh, you end up under some form of just authoritarian rule and tyranny that destroys freedoms. And the Christian worldview is, is the one that actually corrects these two imbalances because it's a worldview of ordered liberty, which I thought was a really helpful term, ordered liberty and institutional pluralism that balances the liberty and the commitments uh, to the individual and the community, right? That's a way the Bible envisions society. It balances these two things that these other um, political sort of uh, worldviews tend to, to have some imbalance towards right? That only in the Christian worldview do you get ordered liberty, that you have freedom, but you also have order. And you also get institutional pluralism that there is, yes, uh, uh, God's design takes into account the community and the plural, right? The the many, but it also takes into account the institutions and the, the one, right? The, that both the individual and the community are important to God's economy. Um, he also talked a little bit about how relativism has infected the study of law, uh, talking a little bit about critical law theory and just how that's 
come into play and is going to be a factor going forward in court cases and so on. So he used all of these things and he talked, I'm, I'm just giving a, a really quick summary here, but he also used, I think uh, the example was from Nazi Germany after the war, uh, after the World War II had ended, there was the Nuremberg trials, right? And just pointing out that if there is not a standard other than human or man-made laws by which we must govern and be ruled, then what the Nazis did, there's no way for us to convict them. That's actually what, one of the problems that was run into in the Nuremberg trials, that the Nazis could say, hey, we didn't break any laws. This was all according to our law in Germany, and therefore you can't convict us because our law uh, uh, permitted this. But there must be a higher law that supersedes even man's law even the law of nations and so on. And that, if it's not God's law, it will always be some subjective human law. And this was really well illustrated in the Nuremberg trials that there must be this governing law over us by which nations rule, by which kings rule, etc. And this death, so to speak, of the rule of law, this concept of rule of law, which is not a law that man makes autonomously for himself, but a law that is received from God, that's led to a lot of the issues that we see today in our courts and also in society. And you know, it, what rule of law really means is that the government doesn't operate above the law, but rather in submission to it. And this was something that we did understand at one point, that our governors, our ministers, and this is I think why they're called ministers, they're servants, uh, servants to the law, servants to the people. And But we, we now exist in a society where it starts to see um, politicians and people who are in these political positions of power as lawmakers, as being able to define law apart from God's revelation. We actually even see this in Supreme Courts, which are not supposed to be making law, but actually just uh, applying law to particular cases. But yet this is where we've come because we've lost the foundations of where law comes from, what it is, and what's the ideal that it should uh, comport to. Anyways, that's it for my reflections on the Mission of God conference. It was really good. It was very helpful. I think it was helpful to just think through and give good food for thought on these important topics uh, of utopianism because it is an ideology that is widespread in our day-to-day -day and one which a lot of Christians are unaware of and not really thinking through biblically. So I hope these little reflections from myself and the guys are helpful to you and I'd encourage you to go check out the Ezra Institute for more content from them on that as well as uh, Joe's books. Uh, he's got a, a few of them. Mission of God has been amazing. We've been reading through that as a group. And he's got also a bunch of little um, smaller books that have also been helpful. His newest book, Rule of Kings, also is a good one to check out. Anyways, that's it for today. Hope that you found it helpful. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Theotivity Podcast. If you found this content helpful or edifying, please leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, follow us on social media and consider sharing this episode to help Theotivity reach others as well. Check out Theotivity.com for resources, info on how to support, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest content. Until next time, live and create to the glory of God.